You're listening to the Orenda Sports Podcast. It is our mission to showcase the best of Canadian college sports. Have a guest in mind? DM us at Orenda Talent. Now, enjoy the show. What's good, everyone? You are joining us again for the third episode of the Orenda Sports Podcast. I am your gracious and blessed host, Isaiah, and I got a very special and funny-ass guest in the building today. My brother, my good my good teammate, the one I, who I used to get good-ass screams from. <laughs> used to dish the ball to him. Big screens. Every re- <laughs> no joke, every restaurant in Vancouver knows who this dude is, so <laughs> it's an honor and a pleasure to introduce my brother, Luca. The Bazooka Zahirovich. <laughs> Honored to be here, bro. Luca, what is Honor good, my brother? Here. Talk to me. How are you good, living? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm living good, bro. Mm-hmm. Just putting me out on full blast there with the restaurant scene. <laughs> I am known in a lot of restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, everywhere we go, man, the waitresses, waiters, whoever, the managers, they know you. Like, Yeah, oh yeah. They, uh, they know, like, I'm notorious for going to the all-you-can-eat places. And, yeah. You know, like Tomakazoo, and we've been a few times. <laughs> Nah, they see me coming in, they scared. hate. They're, they're scared. They're scared. Like, they, they hate me. Like, you're it's, probably the one dude who could put a restaurant out of business. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, one dude, no, but when we go together, or we go with the Zaharyevich family, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's. Wasn't it back, in, back in the day, um, when you were a kid, when you guys used to go to All You Can Eat, um, there was like an age limit or a height limit, and. You were too big, so you counted as an adult. <laughs> like, was that, that, that was a thing, right? Yeah, it was an age limit. Uh, it was, I think, 12 years old. It was a cap for yeah. getting the kid price. And <laughs> I was I was 11. I was legitimately 11, but yeah. I looked like I was 15 or 16. And they didn't believe so I was like, it. They didn't believe it. And they charged full, and my mom and dad started arguing. And long story short, we, uh, we ended up paying the full adult <laughs> price. And yeah. I ate way more than regular adults back then. So that was wild. <laughs> Luca, man, tell, tell people how uh, our relationship, you know, sprung up, how, how we know each other, you know. It's been a... It's been, it's been a, it's like, been a journey, man. I think it's been a, a decade that we've known each other, so... More than a decade. Yeah, like... Yeah. So I remember we met probably in a few basketball camps back in the day at Drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was out of Siakwam in Delta. Yeah. Was the first couple. <laughs> and you were always one year older, like grade older, and we would hoop against each other, and then you ended up going to VC yeah. like for college. I was a kid, so we had a little bit of a rivalry. No one likes Saints that much. Is it a rivalry, though, <laughs> if you kept winning? Yeah, I think, so I think the real rivalries, <laughs> we kept winning, by the way, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> the real rivalry was kids versus VC, and then also Kits versus Saints. Back then, like, everyone said VC Saints, but those games were boring because you guys always beat their ass. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you guys had a hard time against us, except for grade 10 provincials. I remember mm-hmm. that. You uh, you cooked us. <laughs> yeah, no, man. We've known each other for it's a been, while. It's been a while. Um, yeah, no no lie, one of my favorite teammates that I've ever played with at UBC, like, part now. Me, me and Luca had one of the funniest relationships. Like... This guy was always bigger than me, and <laughs> I had small, small man syndrome in that time, so remember that scuffle we yeah, had? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I kid you not, yo. I, I went and pu- I pushed Luca. We were, 
we were we just got into it. I push him. This guy gives me just a just a stiff arm. Just I just fell, I just fell, yo. Like, that's one of the funniest things I I'll never forget. Are we yo. talking about Hawaii? Yeah. <laughs> Hawaii, man. You were uh, it was something. We were arguing about something. Yeah. You just came at me and <laughs> I had enough of you and just. <laughs> I gave you a good push. Though. You got me though. Yeah, I was nice face first in the sand. I remember that. And in front of <laughs> all these families chasing. and kids in the beach, I was just chasing around Waikiki Beach. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we didn't know whales can run with legs laying out there on the beach, man. It was wild. Man, we got a we got was, a lot we got a lot to unpack today, but um oh, you yeah. know, I wanna I wanna I wanna start with your uh, your basketball journey and um, yeah, just you know, just just tell us like how did your how did your journey start? Like where where did it, um, where was that birth at? Yeah, man, I was uh, six years old. I remember the first basketball kind of camp I went to. It was mm-hmm. like a training session. It was with Mel Davis over at KYB, Kitsilano okay, Youth yeah. Basketball. Yeah. And Mel Davis was a former Harlem Globetrotter. And I remember that like when I showed up there, I was like six, seven, eight, played for three years. Yeah. And we literally would do dribbling like to music of opera, like opera music, oh, classical really? music, yeah. And Mel Davis would bring this big boom box, like old school boom box stereo speaker and play like classical music, man. And yeah. he would like teach us how to dribble, you know, the ball to rhythm of the opera and like do, you know, so dribble just on the string type thing. And yeah, yeah, man. And then we also did skipping to classical music and build rhythm yeah, footwork. Yeah. Very interesting technique. And I remember with him, that's where I really I think grew my passion for basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, my journey was very, you know, BC style. I went from there, I went to these like the random little clubs like South Burnaby Metro Club, yeah, I yeah, remember yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then I was lucky, I got into drive when I was 12. I got to meet Chad and Pasha. So you started at drive at 12? At 12, okay. I was at drive, yeah. And we won that uh, HSBC Classic. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the first tournament drive ever won yeah. back in UBC War Memorial. Yeah. And I remember we won the uh, youth division first time because that was the one they had elementary school. Mm-hmm. And it was weird because um, it was kind of a full circle thing. I remember winning that, going into kids' high school. And then obviously after kids, I committed to UBC, yeah. and that's where you know we re- reconnected. Yeah, hundred percent. We uh, we were the boys, uh, but yeah, it's 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 been it's been an amazing journey so far. Like you know, UBC, I was there for five years. Yeah. I went through my first three years. I dealt with a lot of challenges and adversity. You know, yeah. I, I was overweight, which was a big thing, and everyone knows that. You know, no sugarcoating yeah. it. I was. I wouldn't say I was obese, but I was really happy. <laughs> like, and it, it, it not you know, even the sugar coated man came into first year. He he had three bills in first year, yo. Yeah, man. that was three hundred. <laughs> remember, you're remember, a big boy, like. Chief Chief Keith had that song. Three hundred. That was me, man. <laughs> you were a big boy, yeah. <laughs> big boy. And the problem was, I dealt with uh, injuries because of that. Yeah, my overweight. Like I tore my meniscus my first yeah. year. Yeah, I had to get surgery. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember you were injured as well with your back. Yeah. So that's when we got to bond a lot. We were injured. Fam, we were injured squad. I remember we had a lot of good nights. <laughs> a, lot of great, a lot of great nights. We uh, <laughs> let's just say we made the most of our off time. Hundred percent. But um, yeah, no. And then I had my stress fracture in my foot the next yeah. year, and that's when I really realized, okay, if I want to keep going with this, yeah. you know, basketball is my love, my life, like my whole life. That was ball, right? Ball is life. I realized I got to lose weight. I got to get in like real shape. Yeah. And I always had dreams and aspirations of, you know, playing pro basketball. Yeah. And, you know, I, I realized that's something I have to do. And that one summer I went in my transformation summer where I lost, I think it was like 35 pounds. I think it was more. I think you lost, you were at 300. I think you got down to like 250. 
I think that was it. 255? Yeah, like in that range. But yeah, so maybe 40-something, yeah. Nah, like, you were... That was that crazy trans- transformation just to see you from point A to go to point B. But, like, yeah, no, that was a lot of dedication. You were biking to practice every yeah. morning, biking home. And yeah. That's not an easy bike ride. That's, what, like, 45-minute bike ride? It's usually a 45-minute. Now I can do it in 30. Cause okay, I'm, I'm yeah. You're better shape. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty much uh, 11K up to UBC because I live in downtown. Yeah. And then on the way back, same thing. And then there's that one hill on 10th that's just mm-hmm. a bitch. Like, that's a, that's a bad hill. 100%, yeah. I know but, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you know what, though? Like, the main thing for my transformation, like, that summer was diet. That's what I really learned. Because, mm-hmm. you know, being an Eastern European, like, background, living in an Eastern European household, serving household, you know, it's just culture there man with food and stuff it's a lot ridiculous of so much chevapi bro chevapi so <laughs> burek <laughs> i'm learning you like the burek bro it's fire yo you know, fire. so good so tasty a little shot of shlewitz on the side you're mm-hmm. chilling man you're in you're in heaven and that was the problem though so the food is so heavy and mm-hmm. just so like creamy and thick and like a lot of cheese a lot like, of yeah. cheese I, I, can, <laughs> I can i can see i can see how uh how you get up there that quick though? Like, yeah, <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Like, I wasn't even educated on nutrition. I had no idea. Like, at one point when I was a grade 10, 11, I thought chicken alfredo pasta was healthy. Yeah, because I heard, oh, chicken's protein, pasta's pasta carbs, carbs. Yeah, like, and I was like, that's beautiful. I love this. You're stuff. not taking in the cream. I'm gonna eat all. Yeah. Love the cream, bro. <laughs> pause. pause. <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be a lot of pauses today, man. I love it. This is gonna be one of my favorite episodes. Oh, I swear. Let's <laughs> just not go off on a tangent about food, because you know me, I can keep going and going. Back, but um, yeah, just to pause there for a little bit. Um, why don't you take us through your your high school career, how you developed as a player, um, and even when you look back at your high school career now, like the things you've learned and just how you've developed as a person. Why don't you go through that? So, yeah, I went to Kitsilano, mm-hmm. and I was very lucky back then. Well, even now, Kitsilano is, like, a strong program in BC. But back then, Kitsilano was at the top, right? And mm-hmm. where that really stemmed from was the coaching. And every grade had some of the top coaches in the province, yeah. right? And um, I remember my first year, you know, getting with my core group of guys that we went on for five years, right, together. Um, I was lucky I had a great team. I think that was the number one thing. And I, mm-hmm. I knew how to be a good teammate and work with others. Yeah. And I think that was really important for my personal success. Because how I always saw it, even at a younger age, was, you know, if we succeed, I succeed. If I succeed, you succeed. We all yeah. succeed, right? And it was also a matter of having those relationships where it's like, instead of getting mad at them for not passing the ball and being like, yo, pass me the ball, yeah. bro. You know, I figured out ways to, like, be kind of constructive and nice, positive, something, pass me the ball, I'll hook you up with an assist. <laughs> so, so question, because um, you were you were always, in my eyes, you were always the biggest guy on the court. Oh, yeah. So did you did you go through a period where you you just thought you could get by like that just on being the biggest, or did you always have in your head that I always got to keep working on my game, I keep I always got to improve like touches, spin moves, all that, or you know like what was your mindset? So great, that's a great question, and this was this is a problem with. A lot of basketball and and, in BC and a lot of places too. If you're big, coaches tend to just stick you into the post, Mm -hmm. right? And make you play center. And being big in Canada is totally different than being big in America. In America, the bigs are like, you know, 6'10", 6'11". Here, if you're like 6'6", they consider you big, right? And when I was in that age, like even from a young age, I was always stuck in the post. I had to stop and use my size, which I really knew how to play with, Mm -hmm. right? My size. 
but the problem was, and that's a great question, is I realized at certain points, you know, in my career was I got to develop my outside game, my shooting game, like my perimeter. Because at one point, I wasn't even shooting anything outside of the paint. I don't even think you took a shot in high school. Yeah. <laughs> it, was all in, it was all inside. Like, yeah. pick and roll finishes. I would never pop on the pick and, you know, pick and yeah. pops. Um, but, yeah, like, I realized. And that, that's where the coaching came in, though. You know, in kits, I had Randy Coots, who was, yeah. you know, shout out to him. He was amazing. And before him, I had Sly and Chris Finley. Sly, yeah. Sly, Sly yeah. yeah. Sly and Noel. Yeah. Um, and they, they always, you know, even though in the games – you got to play to your strengths, right? Like everyone specializes in something. So I still, you know, dominated inside the paint. Mm -hmm. But I remember like overall in the weekly practices and stuff, I would be working on my skills outside and all that, like shooting especially. But that's a good question because a lot of a lot of kids nowadays, even big kids, man, they're always stuck in the post and they don't develop the perimeter game. Nah, because then when you get into university and you take that next step, they're playing guys that are their size or bigger. So they're like, wait, I can't, I can't just do a righty hook and get away with it. Like, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So that's a, I think that's a huge thing, especially in BC basketball that a lot of kids need to realize is, you know, you know, obviously dominate where you are right now, but you got to be thinking ahead. Like the guys that I'm going to go up to in the next level, these are grown men. So how can I impact, how can I have a positive impact at the next stage? Cause you're not just going to be able to just body a grown man like that. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I think that's huge for kids to just always be working on your game, always adding weapons, you know, to your bag. So yeah, man. Um, I think you're a great testament to that because every year you always had something new, like like your mid-range shot. Um, you you had you have a little bit of a handle, you know, but you added that to your bag. You got a yeah. little bit. Like you could bring the ball up up the if court. If I need to, I will. You, yeah. Exactly. exactly. And, um, you know, you got your mid-range, you got your, you got a little bit of a handle, but even your post moves have developed as well. Like it's not just back, back, right hook. You know, you got your, you got your spins, you got your, your left hook now. Yeah. You know, so it's always add. There's always something you can add to your game, and I think uh, the kids in BC need to realize that. And and if they, if they start working on that earlier, their game will take off for them in the next level. So I think that's huge. Exactly, man. And um, that's also the other thing. Like, when you get to the next level, like in university ball, and you remember this, mm-hmm. you're playing against, like, six-foot-six guards. Yeah. So it's – for both of us, like, for you, you know, as a guard, I remember when we played, you always, you know, beat them with your speed and quickness mm-hmm. and smarts, right? Yeah. You were really good and patient with the game, how you played. Um, and for me, I remember I was playing bigs that were, like – 6'10", 6'11", like Alberta, like you had to go up, you Ontario. Had, you had to go up against Wags. Like, and Wags yeah, every day in practice. Yeah. Every day. He's one big mofo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shout out to Wags. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what helped me too is I had to go against Jordan every day in practice. And he was a 6'5", 6'6", guard. Yeah. So, these little passes that I was doing, it's not going to work because he's, he's long as hell. So, that helped me going against him every day because I had to create new ways how to still be effective and get my passes to the post or how can I get my shot off you know I got a quicker release you know and just be more craftier when I'm getting into the paint so you know if I knew that in high school like I was gonna be going up against these guys I would have been it would have been a comfortable transition but um yeah you know it's it's a different story it's, yeah. it's different but yeah. uh just being just being a dog and and just working on my game and going up against Jordan that helped me immensely so you know that was perfect for me and and for you to go up against a high level athlete like 
not high level athlete. Wags, Wags is. You're just roasting him now. <laughs> Wags, I love you. <laughs> but um, you know, we won't show him this. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. But yeah, like yeah. going up against a elite player like that, you know, what he, I mean? he was an elite player. He played junior national team. He played with Wiggins and these guys, Anthony Bennett. That's what I mean. He so, played and represented our country. So, so yeah. you know, I think you know, kids, you know, keep, always keep working on your game. Always keep adding something to your bag and. Um, just keep thinking of that next step because if you don't, you're gonna come complacent, and that's when everyone's gonna catch up. And others are gonna catch up to you, exactly. Luca, man, so um, you signed to UBC. Um, why don't you tell us the process of uh, of you signing? Um, what teams, what other teams you were looking at, and uh, how's that whole process for you uh, while you were in grade twelve and just going through that? Yeah, grade so grade eleven. I remember I started getting postcards from uh, Casey Archibald, which was the assistant coach at yeah, UBC back then. That's who recruited me. Yeah, yeah. He was, so he was recruiting me, and he was literally sending me postcards from Hawaii saying, hey, if you join us, you could be here next year. Yeah. It was awesome, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I think I was on UBC's yeah. radar for like at least a couple of years mm-hmm. already in high school. Um, I remember the reason I played you know, AAU and I played with Drive, we would go down all these state uh, tournaments down in the States in America, was to go for exposure, you know, and try and get scholarships down to yeah. like an NCAA school, right? D1, D2, whatever. And um, that summer, going into grade 12, so my grade 11 summer, um, I remember I went on a visit to UC Riverside. Yeah. They were like a lower D1 down near LA, like two hours. Okay, yeah, LA. I think we played an ex- exhibition against. We we literally yeah, did yeah. the next summer, which was kind of weird, but it was it was cool. Um, and then you know I was talk- I remember I was talking to a couple other universities through Drive, you know, at uh, in in Portland, uh, a couple down at North Dakota. Okay, yeah. And and you know what? Here's what I remembered, and it, it was cool, like the whole NCAA thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like trying to go play D one and. It's really a matter of figuring out what's best situation for you, right? Yeah. And so for me, I realized, okay, I'm not ready to go live by myself at 17 years old. Because remember, a lot of these guys committing are like 19, 20. Yeah, no, They're exactly. way older because yeah. they're reclassing, right? <laughs> I'm 17. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was babied by my family and, you know, parents, but I wasn't ready to leave the nest, yeah. you know? And, uh, you know, to keep it short, I... I was talking to Kev uh, near the end of my grade 12 year, and he offered me, you know, the full ride at UBC, and I was kind of picking between that and a couple of these other schools that I went on D1 visits and stuff. So, was it UBC, so it was either going to be UBC in Canada or a U.S. team? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was speaking to a couple schools in Ontario, like um, UFT actually, but... No, no offense to them, but they're just not a good basketball yeah. team. Um, I remember McGill and stuff, but yeah, I, I realized for me the best situation was to stay in Vancouver in my city, be close to my family for at least a couple more years. Mm-hmm. Um, and UBC was the, for me the best choice at the time, and still to this day I think it was the best choice. The institution, like one of the top schools in the world, right? Yeah, amazing. 100%. The education, right? just education, to that, just to have that paper from UBC goes. Wow. Yeah. Bro, it's, yeah, you know how it mm-hmm. is. And sure. it has its pros and cons. Like, school is really hard because, mm-hmm. you know, they don't they don't let you, you know, screw around over there. Like, you got to stay on top of your shit. 100%. Right? And I think um, also the difference with uh, a U.S. university and UBC, honestly, the teachers didn't get, cut us that much slack. Like, 
just because we were an athlete, like, they probably were harder on us to, like, get these assignments in on the due date. Like, yeah. I had multiple teachers be like, I'm like, yo, I'm going to be gone next week. Like, can I hand the paper in, like, later? They're like, like, some would be like, no, nah, like, that, yeah. that's a due date. Like, <laughs> you get it in. There's no like, exceptions. I'm like, bro. <laughs> Man, it's true, man. Like, they didn't care that you're an athlete. No. And that's that was kind of the shitty thing, man. Like, even, you, you know, obviously we're student athletes and student first, yeah. right? But we're, you know, doing five to six hours a day of training, physio, weight room, everything, recovery. And on top of that, we're doing all these team functions. And on top of that, we have to study another four or five hours a day. And sometimes, you know... We were blessed, I think, a couple classes we had together, right? Yeah. A couple of profs would cut us some slack. They did, yeah. Give us some extensions yeah. and all that. But some profs literally did not give a shit. No, like, was, they did annoying. not. <laughs> and, like, it wasn't like we weren't trying or, we, you know, we weren't really always procrastinating. Some, okay, sometimes we might have been procrastinating. <laughs> but it was for good reason. We're repping the school. Mm-hmm. Where, and that's a big thing, I think, that UBC should understand is, you know, especially the athletics department is, okay, you have such a heavy, and they do a good job of providing us with athletic advisors they and do, all yeah, that, 100%. academic advisors. But again, I don't. I think it could be a little bit better, right? And the reason why I say that is because when you're, especially when you're a younger athlete, there, man, mm-hmm. like you have so many of these overwhelming kind of you know things going on, hundred percent, and you're trying to balance everything. And that's the number one skill I think every student athlete has to learn is time management. That's yeah, the number one, hundred percent. But it helps if you have supporting professors who do. You know, give you a little bit of extension and under, to understand, understand your schedule because I don't even think the like if the props aren't in the sports world, I don't think they fully understand what an athlete has to go through. Like we're doing two two a days, we gotta be, we gotta do an individual, then we have practice, then we gotta be in the weight room, yeah, and then we gotta go to class, and then we gotta <laughs> and then we gotta recover our body, <laughs> then we gotta watch film, film, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we everything. Gotta, we gotta study scout, and then we gotta find time to do assignments, study, and then we gotta go to sleep, do it again, like, yeah, you know, nor- normal it's cycle. N- normal students, they have their three four classes throughout the day, and then they're done at one, two, and then they have the whole day to do whatever. They can work or just study the whole day. Like, we don't have that luxury. Yeah. And then on top of that, we're leaving every second week to go to another province. So it's like... We're, li- yeah, we're literally on road trips four days out of the seven days a week, and sometimes we have the back-to-back mm-hmm. weeks. So we'd fly out, four-day trip, come back. We're only in Vancouver for like two, three days and go right back to another province. Exactly. 100%. And it, it's tough as well for a kid coming straight out of grade 12 to just adjust like that because in high school in grade 12, 11, you know, the teachers help you quite a bit. Like, 100%. You know, they help you get through, you know, through the year. They help you get extensions if you need it. But like, you know, they baby you a little bit just to get you to that next level. Yeah. So adjusting to that university life, it's tough. And then you're going through just figuring yourself out as a person. You're growing as a young man, young woman. So it's a lot of athletes got to go through. So... Yeah, exactly. I think that's something that needs to be looked at and, you know, have more props who are understanding about that lifestyle. 100%, man. And what I remember was even with you, we were in a couple classes. There's like three or 400 students in these huge lecture halls. And at the end of the day, there's that one prof and you're just a student number. That's all you are. To them, you're just a student of your number. They don't remember your name. They don't know your name. They don't know who you are. They don't even read your goddamn paper. Like, literally, they make their TAs 
do everything. So they're just there, just shooting out information and expecting you to learn. Yeah. And you're right, man. Like coming out of high school, in high school you have you know the personal attention yeah, exactly. to help you learn. It's more personalized the approach. Class, you have twenty like, kids and. You get to university and you're kind of left hanging on your own yeah, to figure it out. It out. Yeah, it's yeah. a part of the process, right? It's part of getting that experience in, but at the same time, it's hard, especially when you're an athlete. And Very hard. really well said, man. And being being an athlete, especially you know college level, man, it's a full time job. It's that's full-time. all I always say. It's 40, 40 hours a week, if not more, because mm-hmm. there's all the you know intangibles behind it as well. Like you said, man, there's ice baths, there's stretching, there's physio, there's recovery, there's game tape, there's scouting, there's <laughs> right. all, this. all these things, man. And just even getting like being an athlete, another part of the job actually is you have to sleep minimum eight to nine hours a day. Mm-hmm. Like and then I, like that is actually what you have to do. It's not like you're being lazy. And it's tough when. You got to test the next day, so you're up till like two a.m. and then you got to wake up at seven. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like your brain's fried, your body's fried, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Like, it's exhausting. But that's why you know I think we really agree on this: is you really do have to do what you love and love what you do. And 100%. if you're if you're not truly passionate about what you're doing, it's going to be hard every day, and you're going to end up hating it. Exactly. And I have friends who end up hating it. But if you love it. Especially, you know, the whole, all, everything that comes with being a, not only a basketball player, but just an athlete in general. Yeah. Then, you know, you'll have your hard days, but overall, like, you're going to be in the moment and always look forward to the next day, right? And mm. that's the cool thing, man. 100%. And as you get older and as you go through your years of university, you get to, you find a system that works for you. But the main thing that you could probably ask every single athlete, what makes them successful is time management. Like, time, t- hundred, yeah. 100%, time management. Right? Like, you know, you, you have a schedule and you got to stick to that schedule. Nine, nine to one, that's when I do my, all my athletic stuff. After that, I got to fit in my classes. And then after that, I got to study and do this, dinner, all this. So it's like, you got to stick to that schedule to be successful. Yeah, I fully believe that, 100%. 100. And what I also want to mention is balance is so important in terms of you're working so hard. Mm-hmm. You work hard, you work hard, and you have, you know, you obviously have to work hard to succeed. Yeah. But you also have to find time to be, you know, proud of yourself and reward yourself. And what I mean by that is yeah, yeah. having a little bit of a social life, you know, whatever that is, going to a couple dinners or maybe yeah. a couple of brews with the boys. Just where you're not whatever. thinking of anything just and you relax. can just like unwind. Yeah. Exactly, bro. And I think there are some people and specifically athletes that don't know how to do that mm-hmm. and they go all out. And look, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But I, I believe in balance. I think it's uh, important for mental health. 100%. you yeah. got to, you know, have time once a week, twice a week to go unleash kind of like just relaxation, yeah. chill, you know. And I think that's important. And for, you know, Euros and for even for us, man, mm-hmm. it was going out to a little bit of Bimini and <laughs> just a little, little bit, bit of Fortune. <laughs> Don't worry. We, we had the 12 a.m. curfew, the midnight curfew. Uh-huh. <laughs> Stuck to it every single time. <laughs> we only drank a couple of beers. That was it. We had a three drink limit. Three drink limit. <laughs> That's not what my credit card said. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I 100%, 100% agree, though. Balance is huge. I think balance is huge for sure. And what you learn from that experience in college and uni, it really translates over to yeah. your career, whatever you end up doing later. And for me, learning that in university was so valuable because that translated over to my pro career. I, from that experience, I knew how to, you know, run my daily schedules, my, you know, my habit, my routine and time management, balance everything as a pro. Because when you get to pro, like it's business, man. It's a cutthroat world. If you don't perform, you're, you're getting fired. Exactly. Simple. Like if you don't perform, you're getting fired. 
But then in order to perform, you got to have the right, it's all, you know, we talk about mentality all the time. It's really all about mindset. Yeah. And it's important to know sometimes you can get overwhelmed. And I think every athlete goes through this on a yearly basis. 100%. You know? Even LeBron, he goes through a cycle. Everyone goes through a cycle, right? Like you have your highs and you have, at some point you're, it's inevitable you're going to have your low, but it's about how you deal with that low and how you come out of it, right? And that's where balance comes in. You have to have a full balance of everything in your social life and in, in, in your mm-hmm. athlete life you know, even academic life, right? Yeah, because 100%. Student athlete, so. And since you're, you touched a little bit on, um, you know, during that, your university career and, you know, just anyone going through that, you know, m- mental health is, you know, that's a huge process and that's a huge thing that you got to think about and ma- maintain. And, you know, during our years, I don't think that was really touched on a lot. Yeah. And I think it's just recently coming out how important mental health is. And, uh, you know, just touch just touch upon it if, you know, you went through that in university where you had some, like, low, low days. Because I definitely did. And I battled with, you know, just mental health and just, uh, just like, trying to figure things out. Uh, yeah, why don't you touch on that? And... Yeah, man. So I had two things. One was with being, you know at a high level institution like high level program for basketball at UBC it's a lot of pressure it's a lot of, a lot pressure. of pressure a lot of pressure not and just academically you're I'm, I'm trying to fight for time I'm trying to yeah I want to play pro so I, I got to get these stats up or I got to you know I'm trying to win you know I'm trying to save my spot on the team so it's a lot that that's on top of just being a regular student you know what I mean so. yeah man and it's it's, it's hard because you you know you're competing like even though your teammates with everyone and you know in order for you to succeed you 100%. all have to succeed but you're competing with your teammates like you said about stats playing time and it's healthy competition you healthy need it. yeah yeah it's not. but the, here's the biggest thing is confidence right mm-hmm. and everyone struggles with confidence at some point and I think that's where if you have a strong mindset, you'll know how to right, come out of that hole, right? If mm-hmm. you lose your confidence, it's really easy to lose your confidence. But yeah. It's hard to gain it right back, right? And what I remember for me, it started out, you know, I was on, I was an athlete, like in terms of I can move for my size, I had quick hands, quick feet, all that. But at the same time, I knew like my confidence was low because I wasn't in great shape. Yeah. And I was always getting like outrun, out, mm-hmm. out jumped, out hustled. And I realized like I can either just keep you know, being upset over it or, you know, moaning yeah. or whatever. Um, but I, I realized, you know, I got to do something about it yeah. and just be in the moment, right? And going to, you know, like playing time and stuff, I remember I was battling for that. Like you said, I played behind Wags. Mm-hmm. And competing against it made me better, obviously. 100%, 100%. And then going to my fourth year, I remember, like, with Patty, we were always battling for playing yeah. time. And that made us better because we were literally competing against each other. But then going back to, you know, uh, I guess mental health and, you know, mindset and stuff, um, it's it's hard because sometimes, you know, like, you don't want to be open with anyone. You want you kind of conserve it to yourself. Keep it in, yeah, yeah. yeah. And a lot of people, I think, feel like if you open up, they see you as, like, a bitch. Or a weak. Yeah, weak. Weak. Yeah. weak. But for real. 100%. And, and there has been times where I maybe try and t- talk to someone, like, really, like, how I feel, like, have a real talk. And then, you know, maybe they make a comment like, oh, you're just being soft. Or yeah. Whatever. It's like, no, it's a real thing. Like, you know, it's. Bro, like, I just I just started doing uh, counseling and talking to someone. And I wish I did this years ago. I wish I did this in university because just talking about it, it's like a whole weight's just lift, lifted off you. You know, you're talking to someone who, who doesn't know you. So yeah. there's no judgment there. And they're just there to just listen and then just help you figure this pro- just this whole thing through. And I think athletes. If you see a sports psychologist or if you just see a counselor, like, it works 
wonders and it's going to help you keep or it's going to keep you grounded it's going to level you out and you're not just going to have all this built up um just all this built up like anxiety like and tension exactly. and all that yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's going to help you in the classroom it's going to help you on the court because you're just going to be relaxed you know what i mean and i think that's something i think that's something a lot of uh universities should implement especially i i'm sure it's implemented in the the d1 schools over yeah. there i'm pretty sure but um they have like team psychologists and exactly. stuff yeah 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 that's i think true. cis and the college level teams should definitely implement that because that's huge for these athletes. 100%. It's so important. And I think UBC has been doing a good job of it. I, I know we had a team psychologist for my last two years yeah. and that was helpful. That was really helpful. But my main thing is this, and this is what I've learned in my experience is, um, you know, what's the purpose of life? To be happy. Purpose of life is to be happy. That's the end goal. 100%. That's the end goal. And you got to do what makes you happy. And whatever that may be, man, just roll with it, right? And give it 100%. No. And I think that's, yeah. I totally agree with that for sure. But, um, yeah, man, like, I, you know, just looking back now, it's it's interesting just sitting here talking to you, right? Like, I'm looking back kind of like a flashback of everything that's happened. And leading up to this point, man, like, I think the number one thing with happiness is having no regrets. And I look back at everything I've done, and I can confidently say, like, I have no regrets. Like, everything mm -hmm. I've done has led me and it's led to another moment, another, you know, occasion, whatever. And it made me who I am today and I'm That's grateful, I'm grateful yeah, for that. Yeah, hundred percent. And as long as you keep learning from your past mistakes, you keep evolve, evolving as a person, that's what life is. No one has this thing figured out. So yeah, you know, yeah. you're always just evolving. You're just becoming a better person. So as long as you keep doing that, you'll be fine. And at the end of the day, you're gonna, everyone's gonna figure this thing out. And, um, I think that's huge for university because when we were in university, we didn't know that. You know, we're just, yeah, we're just young. We're just doing dumb, dumb shit and inexperience, like just figuring it out. Exactly. Yeah. So I definitely think universities should hit harder on having counselors and having that for the team for sure. So hundred percent, man, hundred percent. That's uh, it's cool, man. Mm -hmm. Full circle. Hundred <laughs> percent. Sweet, bro. Hey guys, just want to take a quick second to shout out our sponsor, Fifth Quarter Recovery, a team of physiotherapists and pro athletes who are inspiring and teaching athletes to reach their fullest potential through the four pillars of recovery and performance. Body, nutrition, sleep, mentality. Please give them a follow on Instagram at Fifth Quarter Recovery. Luca, man, so let's get into your pro career. You know, you had a great university career at UBC, so kind of talk to us at the end of your fifth year, how that process was with signing to an agency um, and how you signed to your first uh, pro team. Yeah, um, so season ended for us, I think it was mid-March mm -hmm. uh, 2018 and uh, pretty much the last month before our season even ended, I started getting some messages from just some like lower level European agents. One guy out of Italy, uh, one guy out of Spain, Paulo. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it was it was cool right away knowing like okay shit this is gonna become a reality now. Yeah. Like I've worked you know so many years you know decade and a half or whatever to reach my dream of playing pro. Yeah, like, put in the work, put in the work, you know commitment all that, and then I realized the finish line is there for my university career, but it's gonna be the beginning of a new chapter, and that was a really cool feeling, right? Yeah. And um, essentially, once our season ended, um, I started talking to these agents because you can't talk to agents really. Uh, while you're playing in uni, unless it's just like consulting or yeah, whatever. Exactly. That's where we come in, by the way. 
Uh, <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, but yeah, and then so essentially, I was talking. I got to like five, six agents. I think it was like six, um, and then including Vedron, who I ended up signing with, and how I got in touch with him actually was through a family connection, okay, friend, um, and it was recommended by Paul Bale, uh, who's a former Kids alumni, and he played pro in Austria okay, for yeah. six years. And long story short, I had a few interviews with him. Uh, you know phone calls back then there was no zoom um and yeah long story short man like the process was pretty cool um i had to figure out exactly which agent and agency had my best interest in terms of not only like placement but also my career path yeah because you know it is important where you go like in terms of like you know good place good money but at the same time you want to also plan like a five-year goal three-year goal mm-hmm. uh kind of like a career path of where you want to end up and it's yeah. it's really figuring out figuring out the right path for each individual you know yeah. what I mean? and um yeah like after that when i signed with that drone i think it was i think it was like may and i graduated right then as well from ubc um we went you know we went and started talking he started talking on my behalf to yeah. teams right like and it was a cool process because right in june i had an offer in czech republic they saw my mixtape and that's a really important thing actually is making like a really good not even a mixtape more like a highlight tape like highlight a scattering tape. report yeah. style right you don't want to just put random clips on and you want to kind of like section it off mm-hmm. and kind of like structure it in a way okay, so yeah. it's easier for coaches to really follow and gms you know to follow the, the video right and yeah. see like what assets you have as a player right mm-hmm. and i had that offer in uh, i had a couple other offers as well one was in slovenia uh, i had a couple in serbia because i'm serbian i'm a yeah. domestic player there but then i had one in czech right with ostrava and for a couple weeks we were thinking back and forth like should we take it right now it's kind of early mm-hmm. maybe we wait out and risk it and maybe look for like a better offer or whatever yeah. um but what ended up happening it was a great offer they really wanted me so that was good and that's what i always recommend to guys is go somewhere where you're really wanted yeah they kept like asking and asking and like sending emails whatsapp viber all that yeah, shit yeah yeah and um i ended up you know with bedroom we made a great decision i signed right and um you know that was pre-covid right now yeah. nowadays covid situations <laughs> whack like yeah you know, what's gonna happen <laughs> but back then it was early because i ended up getting they flew me out august 2nd or no august 3rd like literally okay. beginning of august for their month of training camp yeah i remember you left early early yeah. man early and um i was already like training my ass like every summer I train even harder and harder, but also smarter. Yeah. Meaning I keep it really efficient, but also effective with what I do. And it's not all about volume. It's also about like the quality of the work you put in. Yeah. And it was funny because that summer, that was by far my hardest summer of work, you know, like just literally four hours, like just two in the morning, two in the night, shooting, skills, weight room four times a week. My diet was super clean. Like I went on like a two or three month uh, sober period where I literally didn't touch a single ounce of like beer or anything because I just it was my mindset then was like okay I'm going pro like I gotta really commit myself to something and hold that right yeah stay with my principles and um when I got to so I got there in August man for the training camp fuck like I'll be honest it was it was hard yeah like a lot of conditioning and I was actually ready for it problem was I or I think I overtrained the two months prior prior, so I was actually burning out yeah and I think that's another thing of like dealing with that experience is I learned not to burn out. Yeah. Right? Especially exactly. so early on in the year. And uh, man, we did in, in Europe, man, it's a different it's a different beast. Like just Euro style, yeah. like old school mentality. We would do like 
just, you know, drills, drills, drills in practice without water breaks, like zero water breaks in a hot ass gym. Like there's yeah. no AC really. <laughs> it was actually a nice arena stuff, but they're, yeah. you know, they were cheap motherfuckers. Exactly. They don't want to put on AC. <laughs> and they, the coach said, no, 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 we do it on purpose. Like, so it's you sweat more. Yeah, 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 you sweat more. Yeah. It's good for cardio. <laughs> <laughs> and you can imagine me, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm yeah, dying here, dying. man. <laughs> dying. I'm just trying to like low-key take sips of water and <laughs> without anyone seeing. And they would always look at me. Like, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but man, we did hikes. Yeah. We did like these three-hour hikes on up this really? mountain. Yeah, Mount Lisa. Lisa. Not every day. No, it was like on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember like going up was actually like it was hard. Mm-hmm. But the worst part was actually coming down because the amount of impact it has on your knees and joints. <laughs> yeah. So I literally had to tell our physio, like our team physio back then, <laughs> Masus. His name was Masus. And uh, I was like, did he give you muscles? Oh, he gave me a lot of muscles. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> He's great with his hands, honestly. Yeah. Like those backgrounds, man. Like, anyway. <laughs> Pause. Uh, yeah. You should say pause, not me, because it just sounds even worse when I say it. It's better if you say it. Um, no, but so I told him, I was like, um, you know, like my, my knees are actually hurting. My like some of the joints or ligaments are around my you know quad and VMO muscles. And he's like, uh, you're fine. You're being soft. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. <laughs> they were buying that. Shit. That's how it is. Man. That's the mentality. Yeah. I was blessed though um, when I came in. Uh, so in Czech Republic League, like first league, mm-hmm. you're allowed five imports, which is actually okay. a lot. That's yeah. a lot, right? So my team, right off the bat, we had five. Yeah. It was me, our Serbian point guard, Milan, uh, Milan, and then we had three Americans. Oh, sorry, two Americans, one Canadian. Justice Celine was our yeah, Canadian. Yeah, played uh, Manitoba. Manitoba, yeah. Shout out to Justice, my boy. Uh, <laughs> we lived together for a year, so yeah. that was cool. Um, and then... The two Americans were awesome, Brandon Boggs, Nick Smith. And then later on, actually, we had Jordy Barman come in as well. He played at Davidson. And it was cool because while I was experiencing this whole thing, you know, it's a, to me, I'm a new continent, new life, everything, new lifestyle. You know, I'm a Serbian background. It's a totally different country. And it's the first time you've been on your own. First time I'm on my own. That's the other thing. Like, I finally left, you know, the The nest. nest. (laughs) Exactly. And um, it was cool because, you know, I had my European background. And I kind of expected things already, like, oh, I know people here, they're more kind of laid back, uh, casual, they'll be, they'll be sipping cappuccinos, lattes, all yeah. that, like, 11 a.m. till 1 p.m., you know, like, two-hour coffee breaks mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, you, you go to Czech Republic, man, it's a country of beer. Like, the, it's some of the best beer in the world, and they don't see it as actual, like, alcoholic beverage. It's just, a, it's just like, apple juice. Really? Like it's, yeah, man. It's, it's, cheaper, thing, yeah. it's cheaper than water. Like, literally, beer is cheaper than water. It was shocking. You go to a bar, a restaurant, whatever, yeah. you order a water, it's, like, around, you know, 85, 90 cents, like, Canadian, right? You order a beer, it's, like, 80 cents. That's Canadian. insane. Yeah, man, it's insane. And, um... <laughs> You know, we have, listen to this, we'd, we'd have exhibition games in September, right, preseason, sometimes we had road trips, mm-hmm. and we have like a pregame meal, like a team lunch, and, you know, they're bringing in some soup, they're bringing in some bread, you know, for appetizer, yeah. for start. The next thing you see is, and by the way, we're sitting with the whole team, coaches, GM, sports director, yeah, everyone. waitress are coming in with pitchers of beers, bro, like pregame, right? And first thing me and my American teammates saw, we're like, like you had a game that day? Yeah, bro, like in, in five hours. And the first thing the first thing we thought, we're looking at each other, we're like, this is, this is a test. Yeah. This is a test. We're like, oh, we're good. And one of our teammates, uh, team captain, actually, Bochi, was like, uh, you're not drink beer? 
<laughs> pizza, and we're we're like, no, like, we're in the game. Yeah, we're like no, it's fine. It's it's water. It's good. It's good hydration. <laughs> yeah. It's good carbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And having one, apparently, that lifestyle is fine, right? It's, it's just normal. Normal, and the coaches, GMs, right? They're they're like. With, that's what we were thinking. We're like, yo, they're testing us to see what we're gonna do. But no, they were fine. We we had a one or two. That's just the lifestyle. That's the lifestyle, that's man. It's crazy. crazy. And yeah. you hear, you know, you hear in this uh, documentary that came out with Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. Like he, they went over all those guys who would literally drink wine, beer. Some guys even drink some henny before games. <laughs> it's like that's not no. If, if you're a pro athlete, you shouldn't be doing that, right? Yeah. But you know, one maybe like casual glass of wine for lunch or beer. Hundred percent. Yeah. It's fine. Like, and especially me coming back from Europe, I understood, okay, that's... Because back then, before I went to Europe, I thought it's probably the same as you and everyone else here. It's like, that's unheard of. A game day? Yeah, yeah a game yeah, day. Yeah, like, yeah but it's it, you're not... It's not existing. It's not exi- yeah, it's not existing here, especially in the culture. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a no-no, right? It's frowned upon. Yeah, it's, really, <laughs> it's very frowned like, upon. What the hell you They're doing? They're like, oh, you're an uh, alcoholic. Yeah, like... <laughs> But, but there's just normal. That's crazy. It's normal, man. It's wild. And that's just one story, right? Like, um, I, the other thing was, we in our contracts, we actually weren't allowed to ever go out if we lost. We okay. lost the game. Yeah. So, uh, one time, we lost the game. It was actually, like, a heartbreaking game. Yeah. It was, like, a, we lost. It wasn't a buzzer beater, but it was yeah. something where they hit a game winner with, like, eight seconds left, and then we missed on the way back. And um, we we went for a couple, just, you know, how do you call it? Sorrow brewskis? Like yeah. when you're like upset and you know, you just yeah. want to have kind of like just a couple, sit down. Yeah, yeah. We were with the team too. Like we just wanted to discuss as a team as well, like why we lost, what we can do better. Cause back then we were in our losing streak and we thought it was a good team bonding thing to kind of sit down and just talk it over. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing though. The fans, they came, a couple of them came at that same like restaurant we were at. Yeah. We weren't even at a bar, we were at a restaurant. And they saw us like having a beer, bro. They got choked. They started cussing us out in the restaurant. Because you lost. Yeah. Like, what are you they're like, they're yeah. literally like, the bitch, like, you losers, and now you're drinking, you fucking losers. Go no. back. Yeah, for real. Like, like What were you guys doing? And we you know, obviously, we're not going to fight. We're like, relax. And we're lucky, though, like, the manager of the restaurant know us, Rafi, um, and he he kicked them out after. <laughs> He's like, you can't be disrespecting your guys. Yeah. And it was, it was but it, you know what? It is cool because the fans are so involved. And to them, you know, in Czech Republic, especially in Lithuania, where I was last season, mm-hmm. to these fans, man, they take it to heart. This is they like take religion. it to heart. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a religion. Yeah. It's a religion, really. It's the culture there, man, is unbelievable, especially in Lithuania. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have literally, you can walk on the street and you get noticed by like anyone, kids, uh, old people, like, you know, seniors, anyone. And they'll be like, oh, look, it's, it's Luca. Like, hey. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and if it's like a, you know, a milf or whatever, I'm like, you got your number? <laughs> you got, the you got a few of those. You huh? got the WhatsApp? <laughs> and that's that's the one. Shout out to WhatsApp. Yeah. WhatsApp's where it's at. Uh, but no, but bro, yeah, it's um your lifestyle is totally different. But going back to what we talked about earlier was being at UBC and like you yeah. know, college basketball, university basketball, it prepared me for that. So I knew how to be a pro because I already was. A like pro. our drinking at university prepared you. Or? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> big block events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, we, we kept it light. We kept it. We light. kept it very yeah, light. Very we were light. very professional. Yeah. <laughs> but um, work hard, play hard. That's, yeah, that's the, yeah. That's that's the motto. <laughs> but um. More basketball focus. How was that first year, and mm-hmm. um, did you find it was a difficult transition uh, playing 
playing pro now? Like, this is a business. Uh, was your mindset different? Um, yeah, and how was that just that first year of playing? Yeah, man. So, all jokes aside now, like, going to the root of it, like I was saying, offseason, I, you know, I had my 100% mindset. Like, I was going 100% all in, going 100% all out. And I knew coming in, nothing's given. You have to earn it. Even though I signed a contract. Yeah. I already knew, and I was prepared from, you know, coaches, even Spencer. And you see, he played 12 years yeah. ago, right? And he was always preparing me as well. He's like, you got to go in there, man. You got to prove yourself because they're going to send you home if you don't, right? Yeah. So, I came in, training camp, and... They literally, a week before I signed, they signed a 6'11 Czech guy who played in Italy okay, yeah. for the team, right? And going in, I already, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, okay, like, this could be a good challenge, right? Yeah. Like, this guy's played in Italy for three years. He's coming back in Czech now to make some, like, good money with this team. Like, they're going to be, I assumed he was going to be starting. Yeah. So, my whole mindset was, I'm going to come in there and take a starting spot away. Mm-hmm. And I've dealt with this a couple times, you know, in my fourth and fifth year UBC, right? And, um... So I came into training camp with this mindset of just dominance. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to be the meanest motherfucker. Yeah. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to dominate these motherfuckers. I'm going to demoralize them. Yeah. And I know I can demoralize guys just because of how big and strong <laughs> I am. Like, once I seal you, man, once I bury you in the paint, you're done. You that, can't do shit. That's, that's like, the thing. Like, if you repeatedly throughout the game keep keep getting these hits, keep having to fight through this big body you're gonna you're gonna burn out you're not gonna want to do that no hell no (laughs) yeah and i i tell i tell players all the time especially younger guys that i coach now as well it's like if you're if you're actually a post player like a forward you're not only running up and down like you know from paint to paint block to block hoop to hoop which is a lot of running but you're fucking banging the whole time like you're in there constantly just hitting and hitting and you know boxing out Mm -hmm. setting screens fighting you know hedges everything like and anyway I knew that was my advantage, yeah, my size, yeah. and I went in there, and long story short, with, with the big guy, 6'11 guy, he actually came in really out of shape, Yeah, and his name was Jan, I don't want to talk too much Colo, but uh, he came in, he was out of shape, he got injured, and I think I might have had something to do with his injury, like, not on purpose, just accidentally, yeah. right? I was just banging him so much, and he had some problem with his, I think it was his knee or his foot. You were hitting him right Oh, right I was, and you know me, man, when I see a low, like, it's, <laughs> it's over, game over. And uh, he ended up getting injured for two months, yeah. um, and I literally just took his starting spot. Um, and I came in with that mindset, man. And you know, that's I think that's what I really preach nowadays mm-hmm. is it's all about mindset. Like, if you really, you know, set your goal to that and you believe in it, you can achieve it, right? Hundred percent. And you got to work. Uh, it's all work. All, all if work. You put in the work, man. Results are inevitable. No, You're always going to get results, right? No matter what you do. No matter what. So going in to, you know, to answer your question, that was my mindset. And then I, I knew right off the bat, because it is business now, like you're in pro, it's a business. I'm a product, right? Yeah. Like as a player, I'm a product. They're paying me to go out there and give them stats and get exactly. them wins, right? And it's like a nine to five, you're clocking in, you're doing your job. And then, exactly. Yeah, like they're and expecting if, results. Exactly. If you're doing a shitty job, just like anywhere else, you're going to get canned. You're yeah. going to get fired, right? And um, that's what I knew. And it's, it's an interesting balance is there is pressure, but at the same time you have to have fun, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's where the mentality comes in is you got to understand, okay, you got to, you know, love what you do, which yeah. obviously we all do. And going in, man, like I knew, and I was like, I was blessed by the way. I had an amazing point guard in Milan mm-hmm. and he was hooking me up. Yeah. And here's the biggest thing. I came in with, I'd say half of the team was like veteran guys, yeah. like 28, 29, a couple 30 year olds. 
and they're so experienced, right? Mm-hmm. And there are some players that go into these like situations and they think they know everything. Mm-hmm. And when someone's trying to tell you something, you know, you you kind of you, not me, but you know, like yeah, other players sometimes you can tell like they just don't listen. And my biggest thing is I like to listen. Yeah, it's so important. You got you have to be coachable. You have to be coachable. You have to listen, and not only listen, be like yeah, yeah but you actually got to like try and do it and apply it, right? Mm. And I was blessed with my point guard Milan. Like he would really teach me a lot of different, especially pick and roll game. Because yeah. in Europe, that's a big, big thing. Pick and roll game. He would teach me all these little like techniques, tactics, you know, mm. strategies, like timing, all yeah. that. And I really listened to him, and it made me better. And I think listening is a very, very valuable skill that a lot of younger players really don't understand yet. And it all comes from coaching, right? Like if you're a coach, you also got to be a mentor to these guys and explain that to them. Mm -hmm. And there are some kids, man, who are just stubborn little, you know, little pricks. (laughs) And I think why that is, because they, I think they, a lot of kids think they're they're better than they are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge problem in BC basketball. It, it, look, if exactly, if you put in the actual work and mm-hmm. you can prove it, then you should have that confidence. It's natural confidence 100%. from being prepared. But there are kids who are all about the clout mm-hmm. on IG, yeah. on social media. It, it's all about appearance to them, right? They yeah. Wanna, they they want to see themselves looking good and mm-hmm. like. And overall, man, like I think um, I agree with you. There's a lot of players out there who project themselves as being like high level or whatever. Mm-hmm. And sure, you can go ahead and do that, but at the end of the day, the results show, right? Exactly. And the results speak themselves, right? No, but, um, yeah, 100%. Like, and um, just quick, just quickly uh, going through here, um, how was your experience in Lithuania? That was year two, right? Yeah, so my last season, I was in Lithuania. Um, that was awesome. Like, I was, I was blessed again. Like, I had a great organization I was a part of. Uh, lived right on the beach in Palanga. Okay. Uh, resort too. city. It was uh, really nice, actually. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. It wasn't even that cold this year. I think it's because really? of climate change. <laughs> it was first time in the, like thirty years it didn't yeah. snow or something. It was it was awesome. And um, but basketball wise, man, like again, I had veteran point guards. I had an amazing coach. I had an mm-hmm. amazing organization behind me to support yeah. me, and I learned a lot again. And I, like you said, man, I, it's all about just every year improving, improving, mm-hmm. little things here, little things there, but. You know what? At the end of the day, man, it comes down to the intangibles that we're talking about, like listening, you know, work ethic, balance, time management. Because at the end of the day, those little things, those it's are the big off, things, yeah. and they they pay off. So that's the valuable thing, man. Lithuania was awesome, hundred percent. And um, you know, we got we could probably keep talking for hours and hours, but um, we definitely have to cut this short, unfortunately. But uh, Luca, I appreciate you, you know, taking the time and speak with us. But uh, it's a pleasure, and anytime you want to come on here, you know that seat is open for you so thank you thank you again thank you to all our viewers for you know checking this episode out and you'll catch us again on episode number four thank you bro appreciate you man got you you're the homie love love you bro